Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. Papa. My dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call. And you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Building confidence and building relationships benefits everyone. No fluff needed. Today, we're talking to the host of Connections, Coffee, and Confidence podcast. Janice Fogarty is a strategic communications advisor. Janice, welcome. I am so excited to reconnect with you. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And I also heard you talking about on a podcast that you took a little bit of a social media break around the holidays, which is interesting mm-hmm. considering that you manage social for others. I would I know. love to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems like it's really counterintuitive, but at the same time, I think it's really important to disconnect and decompress. And I like social media. I think it's fun and I think it's interesting. And I love exploring what other people are doing and what they're saying, what they're thinking. And it's a fantastic way to get different ideas. But at the same time, sometimes you need to be able to just be quiet and either decompress or be quiet and think about your own thoughts. And it's really hard to do when you've just got this constant scroll of everybody else's thoughts and ideas. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you see somebody and they're doing something that you were just going to do. And it's like, ah, oh no, I suck. Why didn't I do that sooner? Oh no, I don't want to sit there. So a little bit of time and a little bit of decompression. And and I mean, I, I went back in and I made sure that my client stuff were all up to date and there was nothing crazy happening. But for my own head, like my parents came to visit. So that was nice. Like that's their first time coming here to our new house and staying with us. And the first Christmas in the new house. And I just thought, no, I'm going to be here. I'm actually, I am just going to be here in the moment and enjoy my family and do it without the noise and without having to show that I'm having a good time. I just wanted to have a good time. So you didn't post any of that? Like you really just stayed present? I really did. I don't, until, gosh, I think it was, I want to say like January 1st or January 2nd, I think was the first time I opened, even opened a social media. And that was for one of my clients because I knew that I had to do something for them. And other than that, I like, I didn't even open it. I didn't look at messages through messenger and it was hard. Like there was a lot of kind of angst around it because it is so counterintuitive. Right. And, and there is that FOMO, but I started preparing myself early on, like weeks in advance that no, this is okay. And frankly, like, I'm not that important that people are going to miss me. You know, if I'm gone for a couple of weeks, is anybody crying into their coffee? I don't think so. They'll see me when I get back and I'll be happier when I get back. (laughs) So I heard you say too that you only post strategically. 
Yeah. And do you know what? This is something that I really struggle with because I see people do things fun and I don't want to say flippantly, but it's like kind of off the cuff and it's like they're just engaging. And I don't know. I think I must be missing that bone when it comes to my own work. Like I just, I struggle with that. Even my stuff that is like intended to in, like create engagement, I struggle with it. I'm like, I don't really care what your favorite color is in the grand scheme of things, you know? So I struggle to, to post and ask that. Like it just, yeah, so pretty much everything that I post, there's, there's a reason for it. There's a purpose for it because I don't want to live my life wasting it on fluff that I don't care about. I'd rather show up and do what I get to do and say what I get to say. And hundred percent, I want to engage and I want to chat and I want to listen to what you have to say. And I, I, I do enjoy conversations and I like, I love your group because there's all those different conversations happening, but I'm not, I just, I'm not great with with putting up fluff for my own benefit. Okay. I just wonder, have you ever just documented your life or documented your day and maybe not even published it? And then maybe some gold would happen from you just randomly doing that? Oh, good heavens. No, I've never done that. And it's an interesting idea. Like, it's funny as well, because I have a side hustle right? Like I, I sell this thing called Epicure. It's food. I love food. Many, many moons ago, I was advised to put our family on a gluten-free diet. And I was just like, I don't know, you'd spend like six hours at the grocery store looking at ingredients. And I just, so anyway, what I would do is I'd go on Facebook and I would cook live and I just cook and I'd cook whatever meal we were making or whatever we were baking, obviously using products, chit chat the whole time holy smokes, the growth was phenomenal. And I have no problem getting on. And still to this day, I like I'll jump on that private group and I'll cook and I'll make something and I chat and it's just my regular day and the kids are running in the background and the dog is like bugging me for whatever. But that hasn't translated into this aspect of my life. So it's interesting and maybe that'll come and maybe it won't. I think I've got other things that I want to focus on before I start worrying about stuff like that. Ooh, okay. Let's talk <laughs> about what you would like to focus on. I don't actually know. And that is a really big question. Like that, that's a big thing, right? Because I started out and I'm like, oh, I am definitely, I am all about the messaging. And I still am. I believe very firmly that once you actually know what you want to say, who you're saying it to, how you're going to say it. Oh my God. It, like, Promoting your business or yourself is so easy. It's that figuring out what to say and having having the confidence that you know and, and the confidence to be able to, to put it out there is so critical. But I'm just kind of, I don't know, I've had lots of people coming to me with some different ideas and some of them that are really interesting. I don't know, a wise woman once said to me, do I do that? No, but I'll try it. And hey. it's resonating. <laughs> So, so that's the thing, like, and that's more where I'm kind of focusing on. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. That's interesting. It, it does mesh with what I do. I absolutely can do that. So yeah, let's explore that a little further. Okay. I want to tell me about some of the people that you are attracting and some of those opportunities that are coming your way. It's been more of the professional woman. And I love that. 
because, you know, like psychologists and therapists and lawyers, and I really love the idea of these women creating their own business and understanding that they have an opportunity with PR or through strategic communications to actually grow their business. And some of them want to talk to me about podcasts and some of them want me to talk about like how to be more strategic with their social media. And I really enjoy that. Like I did not, I had zero intention of doing social media for people, but I love it. I enjoy it. And why not? You know, like if I'm showing a really good return for my clients and they're loving it and they're getting more inquiries and they're getting more recognition for what they're doing, why wouldn't I just keep doing that? You know, and why wouldn't I help women who want to either start a podcast or get on more podcasts so that they can grow what they're doing and help more people? It's not what I had intended to do but it's fun. And I get to know lots of different podcasters through having my own podcast. So why wouldn't I connect people who I think are going to be interesting together? That is amazing. And I'm doing a lot of that too. So I think that that's so cool that you're doing some of that now. Yeah. It, it started coming to me, um, kind of late last year and I, I did not expect it, but I don't know. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Also, I would love to know how you help make those introductions and not sound like an agency. (laughs) And what is the difference in making a good introduction and just sounding like a transaction? I think it's all about being personal and being relational and talking about the value. I don't want to presume upon a relationship and I don't want to force somebody in front of somebody else just because it'll look good if it happens. There's got to be a reason. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for being strategic and for thinking about it and for doing your research and knowing who it is that you're, you're talking to and knowing who you're talking about and making sure that there is a match. As for not sounding like an agency, I don't know. And there's the, there's the truth. I don't know because they're doing the same job. I think the only difference between me and an actual agency is the fact that I have a relationship with the person that I'm pitching to. And it's funny because here I am saying this and I have a meeting in the morning with one of my clients about talking to media back in Ireland who I haven't worked with in a long time. So I'm like, oh, so here's me like, oh yeah, it's all in the relationship, baby. Uh, (laughs) Until it's, until it's not. (laughs) Yeah. Even if you've had relationships with people in the past, how do you reignite those? Like, what would your approach be to people that knew you, but you've lost touch with, and you would like to reignite some of those relationships. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to be said for a delicate touch. You don't want to come in like a thundering elephant, like 50 of their posts on three different media platforms, and then hit them in their DMs with a, Hey, I got something for you. Ah, that's so not me. (laughs) And I don't advise that to be anybody, but like a gentle touch where you follow them on whatever media that they like social media that they like to display their work on or however it is that they prefer to communicate. If you're there and they're there, follow them. 
engage in a few things that you genuinely find interesting. There's something to be said for just kind of slowly raising your profile and reintroducing yourself. And if you can remember something that you had either worked on together or you had something interesting that you had presented or pitched to them, to be able to call that back up, especially if it was successful or it had like a really good spin for them. If you can recall something like that, when you do make an initial contact, it's great to be able to say something like, hey, if, I don't know if you remember me, but we worked on this you know, campaign together, or I pitched you the story about this and that's what happened. And, you know, I just wanted to reach out and say hi and see how that goes. They might get back to you, they might not. And then it's up to you how you kind of push that a little further. Do you give it some time? Do you forge ahead? Do you forget all about it? Not big on the forgetting all about it, but it's an option. I think that if you can make it personal, even if they don't precisely remember the details, they'll appreciate the effort and they'll appreciate the fact that they made an impression on you that you have remembered. Because that's always flattering, isn't it? Okay, if speaking of personal, I remember something that you brought up in our last conversation. Oh, nuts, what did I bring up? <laughs> you brought up that the story of how you met your husband turned into a published piece. Can you talk about that? Yes many, many moons ago, like, oh gosh, it's got to be over 20 years ago. He sent me an email by mistake. So my name's Janice Fogarty. His name is Julian Fogarty. He sent me an email to my old email address and I responded and said, oh, look, you sent this to me by mistake. And he responded. Fabulous. So I just responded. Like he, he emailed me back and explained what had happened. And I was like, okay, thank you for letting me know. We ended up emailing back and forth for three and a half years. Fast forward through those three and a half years, I've graduated university and moved all the way across Canada. He has left Ireland, done tours of Southeast Asia, a couple years in Australia, he has ended up in New Zealand. He's coming back to Ireland for his sister's wedding. And we were like, oh, we should meet because Ireland, Canada is a very much shorter distance than Canada New Zealand. He had been to Canada lots. I had never been to Ireland. So we decided that I would come over there and I ended up staying for almost 11 years. I, the plan was I was going for three months. That was it. I do a little traveling around and see the sights and come back to Canada because, you know, getting a job is like real easy when you're 22 and you think the world is easy and, and awesome and like easy, no problem. Just totally get an awesome job. So through the jigs and the reels, I ended up getting a work permit and I worked with a PR agency in Dublin. And so one of the lifestyle ladies came over and was like, I got a reporter and she's looking for a story on, you know, unique Valentine's Day meetup kind of things. Can, are you interested in talking to her? I was like, I don't know. So I called my husband. I was like, here's the story. Are we interested? And sure enough, we got featured in uh, one of the national newspapers in Ireland as the unique ways that couples come together. And it's funny because this is before like you've got mail. After they came together, it seemed like everybody's like, oh yeah, we met on the internet. Ah, uh, no, we were the first. <laughs> we weren't the first, but I mean, we were before that. <laughs> it, was, it was a long time ago. But yeah, it was just a mistaken email. 
And like now you would never open an email from somebody you didn't know. Back then it was like, ooh, I got an email. Oh my God, cool. I'm opening this. <laughs> Here's the craziest part of this story, okay? Okay, so his name is Julian Fogarty. And what he did was he did a search for his own name in Hotmail, which sounds bonkers. I mean, seriously, who does that? Knowing him as I do now, he totally does stuff like that. So he does this search for his name. What neither of us knew is that Hotmail will just throw you any kind of permutation of these letters. They will throw it at you as, a, as an answer, or as a response to your query. So it came up with my Hotmail address. So he was like, oh, oh my gosh, another Julian Fogarty in the world. And I actually think he sent off the email to like a bunch of different people and I got back to him. No word of a lie, Rena. Probably eight, nine months after he and I have been emailing back and forth, I get an email from a guy in New Zealand who's like, hey, my name's Julian Fogarty too. How crazy is that? I'm like, oh my God, you are not gonna believe this. So I email him back with like this crazy story about how I'm already emailing this other guy called Julian Fogarty. And I email my Julian. And I'm like, you're never going to believe this. Actually, first I was like, are you screwing with me? Because this isn't funny. If you're screwing with me, like this is weird. And then we realized, no, this is completely a third party. <laughs> we were like, oh my God, this is insane. So buddy in New Zealand obviously thought that this is way too crazy. I'm out because I never heard from him again. <laughs> and maybe he was wise because I ended up married to that Julian Fogarty. <laughs> How can we become more comfortable doing the things that we never thought we would do? Especially the part about becoming an advocate for your kids, because I know in the last conversation we had, you said that was really like your biggest challenge. Yeah, it was. And to some degree, it still is because we've we've moved that support structure and that medical structure, the whole team that I had worked for years and years to assemble. Well, that's still back in Alberta. So I have to figure out this system and the people and the players and try and network this person back here that we we worked with for so many years, do we have an equivalent here? Can you pass us off? Can we make a connection? And how do I bridge that gap? What can I do in the meantime? And can anybody help me with that? This whole advocacy thing. I don't know that I'm the right one to talk about going gracefully into things that you say you're never gonna do because that's probably where I lose my grace. <laughs> that is where I'm like, oh, I've got to do this. I don't know that I would have advocated as hard for anybody else if it wasn't my kids. Do you know what I mean? I think there is something about your children that pulls something out of you. And to be very upfront, the reason I never wanted to do that advocacy work is because typically it's in my mind, it is done for like nonprofits or for, for people who have a cause or a need. And I will get very emotionally attached to that. And I will throw myself into that. And I will blur the boundaries of where my space and my, my stuff begins and ends when I believe very passionately. And I never wanted to, to do that. I never wanted to lose myself to whatever work I was doing. So I just was like, you know what? That's a lot of emotional, emotional growth in retrospect that I was going to need to do. And I thought, yeah, I don't need that. There are plenty of opportunities. I don't need to be doing that. 
But when it's your kids, you do have that choice. But I didn't feel that I did. You can only get turned away or kind of patted on the head and shooed on your way so many times before you start taking things very seriously and doing things in a very organized and methodical and passionate yet dispassionate way. It's not a position that I started out being comfortable in, but it is a position that I grew very comfortable taking. And it got to a point where there were people like teachers at the school and even our, our family doctor who wanted to give my number out to other parents who were dealing with children, possibly on the autism spectrum, to find out how the system works, how to deal with the steps that have to be taken and how to organize themselves and how, how to organize their, their information. I mean, I would show up to pediatrician appointments with each of my children had a file folder and all of their testing, all of their results, all the letters from all the different specialists, everything is in there. All my notes, like the different people that I've talked to, I had it all there. If you have a question about what we are talking about or, or what I'm talking to you about, that's fine. Give me a second. I've got the documentation to show you. Like, there's no room for beating around the bush when it's something that you need. So that was a lot of emotional weight to carry. You know, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of work, not just in the documenting and the organizing of that document and, and learning the process and the procedures and how everybody likes to have their stuff sent to them or done, whatever. But it's also the fact that it's your kids. And it's also the fact that you're dealing not just with that, that emotional fact that it's your kids that are struggling, but you're dealing with their struggles because you are their person. That is so, so good. What you just said, like the reason you had to be so strategic and so organized is because if you didn't like you're having to live with that. Yeah. Daily. Yes. Autism has some seriously beautiful moments attached to it. Like some really amazing things happen in the brains of, of my kids. And I think every parent would say that irrespective of <laughs> any of that, right? But the things that they think and they say and they pick up on and they do, you're just like, oh my goodness. And other people will be like, whoa, that is, that's crazy but it, there's hard struggles and some ugly struggles and, and it's a lot, it's a lot to carry. And it's a lot. I just, I felt like, you know what? There is a system designed for people who need it. Like there, there are supports in place. I need them. I will access them. And if you think you're going to just, you know, make it tough and I'm going to go away, you don't know tough. <laughs> so you understand what I have been going through every day, what my kids go through every day. You do not know tough. So let's go. And you build that documentation and you build that, that advocacy and you, it's always respectful and it's always done from a place of love and, and care. But I wonder if some of your strategic communication has carried over from the advocacy work that you're doing for your kids into getting publicity for people and being able to cut through the fluff. Yeah, I think, and you know, it's funny because I think that part of why I can't do that fluffy, like, oh, what's your favorite color is because in my house, <laughs> nobody cares. We had to learn the social niceties of 
how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. And how are you? You know, like we had to learn that. Like my twins are 14 now. And I think after 14 years of really no fluff, <laughs> I think that's what happened to my fluff bone. I think in a lot of ways, this has made me a better strategist. It has made me a better communicator because I listen so much more and in different ways. And I can then communicate back in different ways. Because one of my boys, he was very, he was a bit delayed in his language. And still to this day, he is not a big talker until he is, and then you can't stop him. But for the most part, he's not a big talker. But he had a lot of anxiety and he had a lot of stress and, and it was really affecting him physically. But he did not have the words to talk about it. And he didn't have the comfort level to talk about emotions because they're uncomfortable and they were way too big for him. And even still, he's, he's dealing with emotions. There's a myth that people on the autism spectrum don't have emotions. And in my experience, no, it's that emotions are so big. They're so big and overwhelming and, and so difficult to, to deal with that it's easier to shut them down than it is to actually to roll with them. And I think, I think there's a lot of people not on the spectrum that go through that as well. Some emotions are ugly and they're hard to deal with and you'd rather just not deal with them. So, you know, when you're watching your kid go through this, and I know he's got to get information out and I know he has to, he has to have some way of processing and he has to have some way of letting me know what he's going through so that I can help him. And I bought him a special notebook and a set of pencils. That's how he worked it, you know? And to this day, I always make sure that he has one of his special notebooks and he's got a selection of pencils. But it's also in listening and observing because when it comes time for me to write in a client's voice, I've got it, you know? And, and if there's something that I'm missing, I know where I'm missing it and I know where to go and, and dig that out. I love how you reflected back my voice in the marketing that you did around our podcast together. And Thank I you. love that when you said, hey, like when you're going to share this episode, would you like me to take a stab at it? I think that that is amazing that you did that. Oh, thanks. You were Thank excellent you. at it. I feel like you captured my voice. And I think being able to read those nonverbals and the research that you do about the person makes your work stand out. Oh my God. Thank you. You saw that I asked my Facebook audience a couple questions. Let's answer those and give some people uh, some shout outs here. I put any questions for a communication strategist with a PR background, podcaster, and mompreneur. The first question was, what is a communication strategist? <sighs> kind of knew that one was going to come. A communication strategist is really somebody who just thinks about the way you communicate with a purpose. It's literally what it sounds like communicating with a strategy. And if you are looking for that strategy, if you are just, you find yourself talking aimlessly and doing things and, and nothing seems to be hanging together, there's no cohesion, there's no central messaging, you're not getting conversions, you're not driving your business forward with your communications, you should talk to somebody like me. That's kind of it in a so. nutshell. I love that. Okay, this question is from Julie Berman. What's your favorite up and coming PR technique? 
Oh, Julie, you're going to hate me because I love the old ones. <laughs> like, I just think, I think there is nothing wrong with the classic, be timely, be interesting, either connect with something that's happening in the here and the now, or be totally out in left field interesting. Have your relationships, use those relationships and be open to having them used back. That is a two-way street. But the old-fashioned wait, look for your opportunities, know what you want your opportunities to look like and be prepared to take them when they come up. I don't think there's anything broken in that model. You know, like everybody talks about how you have to have, you are not on social media, like forget about it. You are not going to get far. You're not going to get business. How do you find people? Do you remember when Lush came off of social media? The uproar in a lot of entrepreneurial circles. <gasps> oh no, is this the way things are going? I don't know how to get customers. I'm not a Lush. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I was like, tits for what? 150 years in records, probably longer than that. People have been doing practical PR techniques just like I described, and it has worked and they have gotten their, their business and they have grown and they have made their living and made lots of money and paid their bills and paid their employees and lived happily ever after. So if it worked then, there's no reason for it not to work today. When you have all these new media like podcasts and YouTube channels and stuff like that, uh, that still works. Be timely, be relevant, be interesting, show up, do what you say you're going to do and be grateful for the opportunity afterwards. I like that. I think we have one more here. How do you find time for yourself? I don't know. And that's the God's truth. That was part of the driver behind coming off with social media over Christmas was because I was like, I was getting lost in the everything. Like last year, like everybody else under the sun, last year was a big year. It was heavy. We did some like seriously life-changing things and we did it through COVID. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we, we traveled through what, eight provinces? They all had their own different COVID restrictions and we had to get permits for some. We had to do this and we had to do that. We had to sell our house. We had to sell our house from a country away. We had to, like, I had spinal surgery last year and I've got issues like I, that I am still trying to deal with. And I found that once I had gotten like, okay, so the husband is in the new job. We are finally in our house. The kids are in a school and we've got some sort of a you know, some sort of a, a support system starting where like I'm learning the system and I know like, okay, you're who I'm going to go to and ask for help. This is the kind of stuff that's available. How am I going to think, you know, things are starting to fall into place. And then it was time for mom. And I was like, oh, this is long overdue. <laughs> where do I even start with this? I don't know is the truth. Like where I'm starting from now is getting back into doing a little bit of meditation and even if that meditation is lying somewhere where nobody can find me for 10 minutes that's perfectly fine things are not the way that i expect them to be right now things are not optimally geared to me running my business on like a you know an office hours and all this kind of jazz and then having my own time no things are all kind of mushed up and i'm not really sure when they're going to come back to being what i would like them to be and so I need to remind myself that it's okay. 
okay that this is happening, that I'm not actually running to anybody else's time schedule and remembering to, to breathe and remembering there are things that I like to do and that I need to just actually do them. Okay. I feel like we have to talk a little bit about your daddy because he is so cool. <laughs> and you did allude to the fact that you guys moved all over because of his job. Can you talk about what that was like? And do you think about that now? So he was RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And both my brothers are actually currently serving members of the force. I broke the mold. Woman, not RCMP. Pariah. I don't know. It was just it like it's just the way I grew up. It was just the way it was done for me, for us, you know? We moved every couple of years. I remember one school that we went to and virtually everybody's parent was a farmer. And I was like, what world have I just dropped into here? <laughs> this is so foreign to me. Everybody has a cow. What? <laughs> like, it was so weird but then it normalizes right just like everything and the same with moving every couple of years now i'm not going to say that i went gracefully every time when i was in grade nine yeah grade nine my dad got transferred and he got transferred a five-hour drive away brilliant so like you know you're not seeing any more of your friends or anything like that and that was the longest we had stayed in one place so i had actually made friends like i had actually had memories and, and was part of a community. And, and I ended up in a six week period, I ended up going to three different high schools, which I don't recommend for anybody, but I always laugh it off and say like, by the time I got to university, cause I, we stayed in the same province. And by the time I got to university in that same province, like I could not go to a party without knowing somebody. I couldn't get on a bloody bus without somebody being like, oh my gosh, you're Janice right? You used to live. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. That was good. I spent so many years not knowing anybody and being the new kid and trying to figure my way and figure out the people and all that jazz. And then I got to university where I knew everybody. It was so weird. It was like twilight zone kind of thing. But in terms of growing up, like in an RCMP family, like that was just, that was just it. It probably looking back was not conventional like who else has their house staked out because you know there have been death threats against your family or who's been followed to school because there have been death threats against your family probably not a lot of people go through that but i didn't know about it when it was happening so it's fine my parents did a really good job he did work undercover for a lot of my life so there was a lot of stuff that we just didn't know about but holy man the man's got some stories yeah. <laughs> i don't think i've ever had a beer with my dad but i would like to know what it's like to have an undercover daddy i remember being like in grade eight and having to put his hair in a ponytail for him because he was undercover and he looked like he actually this is no word of a lie there is a there was a t-shirt made up for his group of police officers they all worked together and they made it they had a t-shirt and it was like you know the big group of them all the caricatures of them with like the search warrant and the ram for the door and the whatever else it was right but my dad was there front and center because he had like the big big beard and he had the long hair and the scruffy jeans and the very stereotypical one time the DEA guys were sitting in the kitchen having cups of tea and eating donuts and you know like it was just things I never really thought about when they were happening but then when I look back I'm like that's weird 
but I do, I do know very few guys ever came to pick me up at the house. <laughs> and I do know, I found this out years later as well, that like when you did meet him and you were a man, like he shook your hand and you knew it. Like there was, there was no messing around with that handshake. It was intentional and it was firm. It was a message. My dad had a message. He delivered his message in his authentic way. <laughs> okay, so you might have got a bit of that from him, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and that's the thing too, is that like part of the RCMP training, and I know they still do this, is you learn psychology because to be an effective police officer, you have to have some sort of a basic understanding about people and you have to be able to communicate them and you have to be able to understand them. And when it comes to documenting and knocking on doors and asking the questions, I most definitely got that from my dad because all my life he always had a notebook and he, like, he was just documenting things. And I think that was, I think that was more like a, like a habit rather than like he needs to document, like, oh, I've got to pick up milk when I go out today. I, you know, God only knows what he's writing in there. But he always had that notebook. I always have a notebook now. But he always would say to me, document everything. Document everything. You spoke to so-and-so, note the time. Note who you talked to. If you need to, tell them you're making a note of it. And there's a way to do it so that you're not being intimidating, but you're being very clear on, we need to resolve this. So I'm letting you know, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I expect, and this is what is going to happen. I absolutely love that, and I think that's really good advice. Is there anything you'd like to ask my daddy? I think I'd like to express my admiration because to have the relationship with your daughter where she creates a whole channel around the idea of discussing things with you, I think that's a special dad, and kudos. That's a great relationship. Ooh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Janice, That's please, true. I want you to be able to promote away, promote the podcast. Are you still promoting your class that you created? I do have, okay, so first of all, my podcast is Connections, Coffee, and Confidence, because those are the three things that every entrepreneur needs to be successful. And you can find me on Facebook at Connections, Coffee, and Confidence, or just me under Janice Fogarty, but I'm not going to lie to you, revisiting the earlier conversation. If you follow me as a person, you might not be seeing as much of me as you'd like. <laughs> in my podcast, Facebook, and in my community, I am in there every week. I am there live many days. So Connections, Coffee, and Confidence on Facebook. And Janice Fogarty on Instagram, Janice E. Fogarty. But I do have a, a masterclass on creating a social media strategy. And it is essentially how I create the social media for my clients, the strategy that I use to take the messaging, break it down, create the content that is all based on the messaging. Because again, I'm not into the fluff. If you're gonna post on social media, let's have it actually work for you. Let's have it create some results. At the time of recording, I'm actually in just starting to talk about a workshop on pitching to podcasts. Thank you yeah. so much, Rena. I really appreciate this. Yeah, me too. This is awesome. This is why everyone should have a podcast because it is therapy. It's a relationship builder and it brings business without having to reach out. Yeah. Well, you're reaching out through your podcast and there's strategy behind that too. 
Oh my gosh. That's Have a wonderful awesome. night. Thank you for making Thank you, mine. you too. Jeez, this was like highlight. Thank you. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is a follow-up with Janice. I found uh, very much being real and not putting fluff in what you're doing in conversation and try to come up with different strategies of cutting straight to the beef. You know what I mean? And I think when we really show that we have a purpose that's directed at doing things, you have a chance to have or have better accomplishments at it. But at the same time, you can't put it on in a manner where it's also just strictly business in the sense where you still have to do relationship building. You still have to be able to network with people that are real, that want to participate. And that's where encouragement and enthusiasm has to be there. But you you have to have a little clarity of what you're doing so you don't just get lost. And you got to see that something isn't working, that you're open-minded to change it and to focus in on things that do work and obviously trying to keep that all in line and a focus, almost like a chess game. You know, you've got to be able to make good moves and you want to make sure you do them in the right sequence so that you get the best results. My favorite part of her story was how she met her husband unexpectedly through them having similar names. And then it made me Google to see if there was another Rena Friedman out there that I could connect with. That's something. I just saw something on the computer where two people that have the same name have very similar DNA. Also, maybe there might even be twins and they don't even know it. So uh, that'll be an interesting story and see how that develops. I think that she gave us a very nice compliment also is that to have a really good relationship, whether it's with your daughter or whether it's with a brother or with a sister, where you can have discussions about anything and be able to really trust each other on on everything, is, isn't that the ultimate type of relationship to have? And I also found that moving around from school to school that she brought up her high school and said, well, I wouldn't want to put anybody through that. And yet, if you're in the same town or in a same state and you go to three different schools, isn't it ironic how all of a sudden she became very popular when she went to the college where all these people from all the different schools ended up going to the same college. So making friends and learning how to make friends and make relations uh, or having relationships with people and building on that only helps you in the long run of things. The more people that you connect to and that you share your thoughts with and where you're interested in their thoughts, where it's not just about bettering yourself, but looking to help other people, you'll find out that that empowers not only you, but everyone around you. And it makes whatever thing that you're trying to accomplish, it just 10 times it or 20 times it. Numbers do mean something. And when you have numbers in your favor, that's how you win in the game of life. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 